more often than I'm comfortable with having to explain to people that some of the brands you see just because they put in a pictures of animals on you know a product doesn't mean that it's good for that animal yeah. and it just it, it's mind-blowing i kind of have to be careful talking about this one because some pet stores that i've seen and i've, I've seen it happen at mine sell reptiles that are not known in the hobby mm -hmm. um and at first you might be like okay like what do you mean not known? Do you mean like not, do you mean like not popular? I'm like, oh no, I mean not known. You're listening to episode number 77 of the Animals at Home podcast. Welcome back to the show. My name is Dylan Perrin. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you're new to the show, then welcome. We're happy to have you here. Make sure you head to animalsathomenetwork.com if you're looking for more information on this episode or any other episode that has been recorded. And there's also a link to the store. And if you are interested in picking yourself up an Animals at Home podcast t-shirt or sweater, you can do that there. And if you want to do me a huge favor, give the podcast a five-star rating on the Apple Podcasting app. If that's where you're listening to it, that really does help our visibility on that app. So the more five-star ratings, the better. And I think we have, we're getting close to 100 now. So if you want to be part of that gang, I would really appreciate it. Thank you very much to CustomReptileHabitats.com for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. As I've said before, they are trailblazing when it comes to reptile enclosure design. Their enclosures allow for ample ventilation and ample lighting, which we now know are two crucial factors as far as reptile husbandry is concerned, and not to mention the fact that they can really do any size cage you're looking for. If you give them custom dimensions, they can build a custom cage for you. So as always, there is an affiliate link in both the description on YouTube as well as the show notes. And if you use that link to get to their website, a small commission will come back to me at no extra cost to you. And of course, that helps support the show. And even if you're not in the market for anything new right now, you can always copy and paste that link and save it so you can always go to it whenever you want. And then you know that you will be supporting the show if you do end up making a purchase in the future. Okay, so let's jump into today's episode. Today, I'm speaking with an employee who works at a chain pet store. Now, to keep things relatively anonymous, we didn't use the guest's name or the pet store that she works at or the chain that she works at. So you won't get that information out of this podcast, but... I think the issues that we talk about are really ubiquitous across all chain pet stores. And as advanced reptile keepers, if you want to call us that, we typically don't have a lot of respect for the chain pet stores. And there's a lot of things that they do wrong. And from our point of view, it can be very frustrating, the information they provide people, as well as the products that they sell. So in this conversation, my guest lets us know what it's like working on the inside in these chain pet stores, what are the, the issues that she perceives from that perspective, as well as some of the ways that she thinks that these stores can actually make positive changes for the better. So I really enjoy this conversation. Again, it's a topic that we, you know, pops up all the time on Facebook and whatnot because people are always ragging on these stores and rightly so in some cases, but I think this guest makes a ton of really, really good points that I think would actually work to help these stores start promoting things in the right way. So let's jump into the episode and I will talk to you guys at the end. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and thank you for uh, for spending some time with me this afternoon. Yeah, sure. I'm, um, I'm looking forward to talking about some of this stuff. I will say this topic has definitely come up before. I, I, I do get the occasional email kind of discussing the big chain pet stores and what, you know, you know, you have people who really don't like them or, or people that are kind of coming from your position that, you know, you see some of the flaws in them, but understand how maybe there could be some ways to fix it. And your email, I just really jumped out to me because you had you listed some things that you think you could do and, and you have that experience. So let's just start with, maybe you could let us know uh, what, you don't have to say where you work, but you can tell us right. kind of what position you have and, and how long you've been working where you're working. 
So I work for a chain pet store. I'm my position isn't anything special. I've I'm not a manager or anything. I've just done a little bit of everything um, on the register. I do animal care sometimes, uh, stocking, and then I answer customers' questions. And sometimes they sell animals. And I'm also kind of one of the go-to, the unofficial go-to reptile people and bug people. So that's kind of my experience. And I mentioned it is a chain and I've worked at, it's not just the one store, I've worked at a couple in that chain as well. So, um, and also sort of because I I know how the pet store, uh, I guess you could say industry works, I pay attention when I go to other ones. Mm -hmm. So I pay attention to what they're doing different than us. And I pay attention to customers sometimes. And a lot of the issues that I'll bring up later seem to me to be fairly universal. Mm-hmm. Um, but So as far as uh, just your, just to touch on the reptiles for a section, a second, did you have, did you go into this job with a reptile passion already? Or did you get that from working at the pet store? Uh, yes. So I, I definitely had less reptiles than I do now when I started working there. Um, I think I just had my one snake and then one of my geckos. Mm. But no, I definitely had um, the reptile passion still. I've I've had that for a long time. Uh, This was actually uh, one of my first snakes. His name is Jeremy. (laughs) He's my longtime boy. Um, But yeah, so I went, there was one of the chains kind of close to where I lived and I went there a lot anyway. And, um, I, I knew a lot of times pest stores don't have the greatest reputation. So that was part of, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to work there is so I could be like, okay, maybe I can help, uh, stop misinformation and, you know, uh, put people in the right direction when it comes to reptiles and also get any discounts on stuff I may need. Yes. So the it, it was a win for me. Yeah. It really does help, especially when you have a lot of animals, um, so tell me, tell me a little, a, f- a few of those those common misconceptions that people have about reptile or about uh, sort of chain pet stores. Right. So one of them, and I see this kind of as memes sometimes in reptile groups, but I think a lot of times, and you're not necessarily wrong for assuming this, but it's very easy to assume when you go into a pet store that everybody there is completely uneducated about reptiles. And they're all going to try and sell you calcium sand. Uh, that is not really the case. Um, I will say most don't know too much about reptiles, but I feel like a lot of stores, you've probably got one or two people who know what they're talking about. And then um, depending on the chain, uh, you do, I mean, to work at a pet store, you got to learn a little bit. You know, they do te- teach you a little bit, a little bit of everything, but not enough to be an expert. And I think for the most part, if you were to go into a rep, uh, into a pet store and have a question about reptiles or something, it, it seems to me that usually the, if the employee you're talking to um, doesn't necessarily have the answer or isn't very familiar with reptiles or, or whatever type of animal you're asking about, they'll typically go get somebody else to answer who they think can answer better. Um, but there's, there's one meme that I've seen a lot in reptile groups well a few times i guess and it's it, it says like uh when i walk into and then insert chain pet store there and then it's um i forget what the guy's name is but he's saying or it's like me and then the guy says i know more than you 
-hmm. And that kind of goes both ways because at least a lot of times when I have customers come in and they're asking me about reptile stuff, I also kind of have the feeling that that attraction, like I know more than you, (laughs) because, you know, I think for a lot of beginning keepers or people who just don't do research, honestly, the first place they go is like a chain, you know, and yeah. And I guess there's nothing really wrong with that, especially because sometimes it, you know, it, it depends on where you live. Um, I live somewhere semi-rural, so expos aren't going to be super common here. And I think a lot of people, I, I was going to bring this up later, but I think a lot of new keepers don't even know that you can buy reptiles online, mm-hmm. which to me is also kind of a way of measuring like, okay, so you really haven't done too much research um, because, I mean, if you, if you want YouTube, to, to do any research on a species you want to get and you're watching a lot of reptile channels, you're going to hear about people ordering reptiles online. Yeah. Um, it, you know what I mean? It, it's just kind of everywhere. There's, well, I feel like every reptile channel has got an unboxing video. Um, so. Yeah, it's so true. It's almost like if you're going to the chain pet store as your first stop, it almost implies yeah. that you haven't done any research yet in a way. Yeah. And I hate to say that, I don't, I don't know. I feel like kind of mean assuming that, but it kind of tends to be true. I, when I I listen to people and I, certain things they say can tell me where they are on, I don't know, the research scale and (laughs) I'll throw out words like substrate and they're like, what's substrate? I'm like, okay. So that, that there's a, a little marker right there. Um, or, you know, I'll say enclosure and then they, they'll start saying cage and then I start saying enclosure and like, oh yes, the enclosure. Well, I've done research yeah. and uh, I've, I've heard of getting this calcium sand. I'm like, no. Yeah, it, it is. Int- I, I totally see what you're saying. Like you have the advanced, we call them reptile keepers yeah. who walk into the store and they're probably a little bit, you know, pompous when they walk in. And then, and then there are the employees that also have to deal with like random dude who decided on the way to school this morning that he wants to buy a lizard. So that's his first stop. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a spectrum there. And, and I know one of the areas that I wanted you to talk about before we go on any further is, and this happens on the, you know, the, the keepers who are more experienced all the time is they have this need or this want to rescue animals that they yeah. see in the pet store. So, and you see it all the time on Facebook, people will walk in, they'll take, you know, snap photos of animals that they see that are in poor condition and, you know, they want to save them. So what are your thoughts? Right on people doing that so i have kind of a different take on it and i'm not going to tell you one way or another which one is right but i can give you some more information to help you make that decision mm-hmm. um so i had a, a manager i worked for a couple years ago we got talking and she told me that pet stores for the most part don't really make a lot of money off of the animals themselves you know you've got the cost of food possible vet appointments because I mean pet stores are kind of a more stressful environment obviously sometimes you can go into a pet store and see some higher priced animals and I'm sure it varies from store to store but for the most part we definitely sell more items than we do animals so but what the animals really do is they bring people in the store um I mean if you think about it I'm sure a lot of people have been out shopping or hanging out with friends or something. And they're like, well, let's go to the pet store. You know, it's, it's kind of, it can be fun to do sometimes. Um, you know, people like looking at the fish and the birds and 
just seeing is what they a, have. But I'm going to stop you there for a second because I, 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 I mean, I do that all the time. I know tons of people to do that. As an employee as a pet, of a pet store, is that mm-hmm. incredibly annoying when you see a group of people coming in that you know are just there to, to treat it more like a zoo? Or is that kind of, you know, part of the part of the gig? Um, it kind of depends. Uh, you would be surprised. People are, are, they're more chill about it than you would think. Some people are are definitely obnoxious, but it, it's really not that bad, at least where I work. Uh, people kind of just walk around the store and look at all the different animals and just kind of talk, talk amongst themselves with their friends or whatever. And it's really not that bad. Um, yeah, I guess that's but, just part of the, it's just an expectation that that's going to happen. Right. So mm-hmm. then as far as far as people, you know, rescuing those sick animals, so-called, do you, do you think that is a good idea or, or I'll, I'll let you finish off that thought? Oh, right. Yeah. So since they're not really making a ton of money for the store, they're not like a big source of income. I kind of, they're almost like an advertising mechanism themselves because people like to come in and see the animals. So if you're talking about like the big companies, and I'm sure most people know what I'm talking about. If you want to rescue an animal from one of the the big stores and you have the resources to do it and you have, um, or even if you've done research ahead of time, I personally don't see an issue with it. Uh, If you go to a big chain pet store and you see, you know, animals there that are really just obviously not being taken care of or paid attention to, and you really want to give that animal a good home and you know, get them out of the store. I I would say go for it. I understand both sides of the argument though. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's very hard for me personally to see, because I've been to other pet stores, ones that I don't work at, where there's like a snake there that definitely has respiratory infection. Um, And and I can just tell right away that they're sick. And it's very hard for me to look at them and say, sorry, you know, nobody should buy you because it'll, it'll just promote the industry more. You know, it's very hard to look at a, like an animal in need and say, no, I'm not going to help you because of the the greater good. So use your own discretion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it is definitely a gray area. And in some cases, like, it probably just helps just to go talk to the management and say, Hey, look, there's yeah. a couple things here that I think you could maybe do better. And, or it could be just a one-off animal. And of course we all yeah. see those horror stories circulate on Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just, I mean, those are a small fraction of the animals and unfortunately it does happen, but it's not, yeah. it's not the majority of them. Um, one thing I will say about some of those horror stories and some like the really bad cases you would see, I, I have a tendency to like I said, I've never worked at somewhere where that's happening. Um, but I have a tendency to believe that people probably complain a lot, but then the employees just don't care or they just like don't see the big deal or just think people are freaking out. I saw um, somebody had posted in one of the groups I met on Facebook, but somebody had talked about, I guess they saw like a, like a chain pester employee. They were cleaning out like a bearded dragon tank or something. And they found like a baby one and he was really emaciated and tired and he wasn't moving. And I guess they saw the employee just threw him out mm-hmm. like in the trash. And that really, that really messed with me to read that. Um, I, I think the person who saw that happen did actually end up maybe buying him 
or and reporting the employee and I think they got fired maybe uh but but yeah stuff like that um that's a situation where I think yeah you should rescue that animal and definitely bring it out to an employee I, I don't think you should ever not bring up stuff like that to the manager or employees but I don't know just maybe be prepared for them to not care I don't know right. it, it it really sucks um it, I, it, I, it, I, Oh, I was going to say, it is a, a strain, like there, there's such a different dynamic between a big chain or even a chain pet store and then a privately owned small like reptile niche store. So the, the obviously there's a management structure on the other side and it's a much larger wheel to turn. And it, it I can see why some reptile keepers think, oh, these people actually don't care. But probably a lot of the time the employees do care. And it just, oh, yeah. you know, it could be... And sometimes they aren't. They, you're going to have a group of employees that don't care. But yeah, it is tough because you you want to rescue every animal, but you also can't do that either because it's not fair to yourself. Or I mean, who knows what pathogens you're going to bring into your own home if if right. you're trying to do that. And yeah, it's kind of a dicey area. Um, you know, on on that about employees caring, I, I will say, as I mentioned before, I wanted to work for a pet store because I love animals and because I wanted to work with them and help educate people a little bit more about reptiles. And a lot of people I work with are the exact same way. Uh, I have worked with people who don't have pets at all um, in the past, which is, I don't know, they probably, I don't know, maybe they just like animals and they just want to work at a pet store, but they might not have pets of their own. Um, but I, I think a lot of people who are going to work at a pet store do it because they like animals or people like me who love animals, have animals and, and would like some discounts maybe. And I will say this, like, at least at the places I've worked, you know, I might be a, a, a reptile person, but I have, I've had coworkers who some people I've worked with are, really really knowledgeable about birds and I'm not I don't really know anything about birds I like birds but I don't really know much about them and I don't have any um you know I have I've worked with people who are really knowledgeable about cats and some people are really knowledgeable about like hamsters and gerbils and guinea pigs um so usually I feel like if you go to a pet store like a chain one um you'll, you'll probably have a similar environment to what I've worked with in the past where Everybody loves animals, but some people know more about certain types. Uh, I guess you could say everybody's kind of specialized a little bit. Yeah. Um, Which makes but, perfect sense. Yeah. So as, as far as how customers perceive the stores and you have people coming in, what, what are some, some of those, you know, average, the average customer, how, how do they perceive these chain pet stores or you well, guys that work there? So you have the customers, like I mentioned before, who come in and I can tell, look at me and are like, oh my God, you were to pets or you knew nothing about reptiles. Um, and then they started talking to me and then a lot of times it turns out that I know more about reptiles than they do. <laughs> so, so that's one thing is, as I mentioned before, don't assume everybody uh, doesn't know anything. Um, we get customers who think we have like veterinary knowledge which kind of blows my mind. I've had people come in and they're telling me about some really serious stuff that's going on with their dog or, I mean, with reptile stuff, it's, it's a little bit easier, you know, reptiles, the ailments you're, you're, they're going to get in captivity are kind of tend to be some of the same ones. 
Um, but I, there are some things I can help you with. Um, you know, for example, if your dog's got an upset stomach, I can suggest some stuff that you can give them that might help calm them. Or I can maybe tell you why their stomach is getting upset. Um, you know, if people, and with reptiles, if people come up to me and they say, I have a leopard gecko and, and he, he's really skinny. I'm like, okay, is, is he being, uh, how many leopard geckos do you have? And I'm like, I have two and they live in a 10 gallon tank. Like, okay. Well, problems. <laughs> yeah. There's some problems there. Um, and you know, sometimes people will come in and describe respiratory infections and I can identify that I'm, I'm pretty confident, um, about, you know, reptile ailments, but, but for some stuff, it's like, that's really serious. You should go to a vet. I've actually, one time, this reminds me, I, I had some people come up to me and again, they were asking some really serious stuff about, you know, their dog having some pretty bad digestive issues. And they said, so what do you think about that? And I'm like, and I told them, I, said, I don't know. I would go to a vet if you were, if I were you. And like verbatim, they asked me, but aren't you supposed to know about all this stuff? And they were genuinely confused that I didn't yeah. know um, what was going on with their dog. And I just like, didn't, I didn't know how to, um, I don't know, I had to explain to them, like, we are not vets. We are, you work at a pet store. Another thing that is also very bizarre and I, is people have really like surprisingly blind trust and stuff that we sell. I, I have had people, I, like I said, I also, I don't just sell reptiles to people. I also sell birds and small mammals and whatnot. Um, and I do know a, a decent amount about small mammals as well, um, certain ones at least. And people will point at a very, very tiny cage that's like travel size. And they'll say, can I keep my, my guinea pig in here? or something and I'll say no and they say but it has a picture of a guinea pig on it as if that that immediately means that it, it's okay for them and I, I find myself more often than I'm comfortable with having to explain to people that some of the brands you see just because they put an, a pictures of animals on you know a product doesn't mean that it's good for that animal yeah. And it just, it, it's mind blowing. Um, like Kelsey sand, for example, I, I guess like the, if you see Kelsey sand, like whatever brand it is, I guess usually you're going to see a picture of a leopard gecko or a bearded dragon, which is what people usually end up using Kelsey sand for. But still I, I, I people just, I don't understand the blind trust. And I've also had people say, well, if it's not good for them, why do you guys sell it? And I'm like, we shouldn't. And a lot of my coworkers also know that we shouldn't, but well, that, the that, brands yeah, that, want us to. Yeah, it, you're kind of outlining what I see as one of the main issues with with pets, large pet stores in general. But yeah, I would say mostly the, the chain pet stores is it's not necessarily the chain pet stores fault it, because you also have these companies manufacturing yeah. these things that are, are that are somewhat pointless. Like 
like I've said on the podcast before, there are so many things in the reptile section of a chain pet store that you shouldn't use. They're sometimes dangerous, sometimes pointless, you oh, know, sometimes a waste of money. And it, it, it's weird. Because, and so if you were somebody who, who was literally walking in to buy your first reptile, there would be no reason you would think that you know half of the items on this shelf aren't good for the reptile because they're being sold in the store and they have pictures of reptiles on the box. It's like, why wouldn't I buy this red light bulb or this blue light bulb or whatever it is and, or Kelsey sand. And so that, that's one of the, that's, it's kind of a two way street, right? These companies keep producing these things when really they, they ought to be producing better products as well. Yeah. And listen, I don't know much about what goes on between the brands and the chain or the company. I, I don't know, maybe some people in your audience would know more about this than I, because I, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but I imagine that to some extent, the brands must dis- dictate what is going to be sold. I imagine they, maybe there's some deal that's like, okay, you can sell our brand of stuff, but you need to sell these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I don't know how much of it is the chain or the company's fault. Um, but at the same time, I, <laughs> I kind of, I'm kind of torn on how much of it is the, the store's fault and how much of it is the customer's fault. It's a little bit of both because if you are a new keeper and you do go to a store, um, you would expect that they know what they're talking about to some extent and that they're selling items that are good for the animal and that you can trust. Right. So in some ways it's, it's on the store and, and the brand for selling things that are either not helpful at all for the animal or in the case of Kelsey saying like actively really bad. Um, but then you've got the side of the customer where if they had done their research online or if they've got internet access at least, and they are really truly interested in buying a reptile and wanting to provide the best care, there's no reason why you should get Kelsey sand because there is literally no literature out there that suggests that it's good or even acceptable. Yeah. Um, It's really, I don't know what the other thing is like, I don't really know why like brands and and companies still want to sell it because a lot of people know that it's bad. Yeah. So I don't know why they would still want to sell it. And I don't even think it's really the most cost effective. I mean, you can get like a super compressed um, block of eco earth or cocoa fiber and that will last you forever. You know, whether you're using it like for a moist environment or make something more dry. I mean, it lasts a really long time. It's more cost effective, I think. And it looks better. This this is a matter of taste, but I think Kelsey Stan is personally really, I find it like really hideous and <laughs> yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it is It is strange. Like it, it is kind of a question mark on why these companies still produce things that are so widely known to not be needed yeah. in the hobby and, and not be very effective. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of weird. So, but like you said, people still buy it. So when, when people walk in, I understand from a new customer's point of view why they would have such blind faith in the company or in the pet store as well as, as the companies selling the products because, I mean, why wouldn't that that be right? But then, like we said earlier, it sort of implies that they haven't done any research yet. So they, right. 
in some ways we do set those new customers up for failure if they haven't gone out and done more research. Uh, you know, I think another part is pet stores, um, a lot of them have, I don't agree with selling kind of childlike items for animal enclosures because I think that it you're in a way you're equating animals with toys. I, I'm sure some people, you know, may have a different opinion and, and that's okay. But this isn't really so much of a issue with reptiles as it is more with fish and like hamsters. Mm -hmm. But even with reptiles, you know, you can go in some stores and see like blue and purple calcium sand. Again, just a matter of taste, but I think it's hideous. Um, but if you're buying blue or purple calcium sand, you're actively not like that says to me, by the way, it just in case anybody was wondering if I see anybody try and buy Kelsey sand, I immediately shut that down. I will come over <laughs> there you. and I will not let you off the hook until you buy like something different, you know, but if you're buying like blue or purple, for example, that says to me that that's more about like you, you want purple sand, you want blue sand, or in the case of, of fish and hamsters, you want these, sort of toy items. Like I said, some I think are, I'm not talking about stuff that with fish, for example, are structures that are actually useful and the fish can use to, to hide. I don't really know too much about fish. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not the aquatics person. Um, but like you can see like little toys, like, like Disney stuff to put in there, like SpongeBob stuff. Um, that says to me that you're more interested in like, well, I want to make their enclosure look how I want it to look. Mm -hmm. I want it. I want to set it up for my kid to to remind them of this show they like or, or these toys or something. I don't know. I'm a little bit jaded because I've been working at a I think that's a really good point. I mean, I I I feel the same way, and I know there's I know there's some people that use some of those things like really usefully like my friend Lori Torini who used some of those objects for enrichment and you know some tubing right. and whatnot from the climb through that's sort of a different thing but yeah you're talking about like you know creating these it, it's almost like playing like dollhouse almost with the animal mm -hmm. where you're just putting these little trinkets in and yeah pink sand and like I think that's a really good point is you're not really focusing on what the animal needs and and if the, the company shouldn't even be selling things that cater towards what the keeper wants the they yeah. should only be selling what caters towards what the animal needs and we as keepers really need to morph ourselves around that yeah i again i think it's one of those things where um it doesn't bring people in the store but you know maybe part of it is or part of the logic behind it is like well kids kids like these things so you know maybe if they see these maybe it'll get them interested in wanting a fish or something um, like I said, luckily, it's really not as bad of an issue with reptiles. Uh, any of the stores I go in, whether, whether we're talking about the store that I work at personally and stores in my area that I also visit sometimes, uh, when you go through there, it's mostly just like Exoterra stuff and, and Zilla. And they have pretty reasonable decor, fake plants. Some of them look pretty good, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, and then things that look reasonable. But like I said, it, it's made more of a problem for fish and small mammals, I guess. But oh, it also, I'm not a parent. Um, I don't foresee myself being a parent anytime soon. But if you were going to get your kid a pet or get them interested in an animal, I feel like it would just be such a rich 
a learning opportunity or a teaching opportunity for them to, if they do show interest in wanting an animal or a reptile, for example, you know, get them to research, get, get them to, I, I don't know, read books and watch things together about that animal, learn about where they're from, you know, what, what do they do? What is their behavior like? Um, and then maybe ask your child, like, okay, so what do you think? What, what elements do you think we should use in their enclosure to make it more like what they would be in the wild? No, no, I think you're, you're exactly right. Like, I think what you, you hit the nail on the head that if you're introducing a pet to a kid, which is kind of almost what pet stores are almost geared towards, not, not necessarily, I mean, you have people that buy their dog food and cat food there regularly, but I feel like, you know, it's the market is for maybe some adolescents going in there with their parents, or at least that's where people get their start going into those stores. And you're exactly right. It's such a great opportunity to have younger people connect with nature and you don't connect with nature. If you're putting a, you know, a little dollhouse with pink sand in your leopard gecko enclosure, you connect with nature by researching where they're from and then learning how to replicate that environment, which kids are fully capable of doing. And and that would be a great way for a a chain store to embrace that, that concept. Well, that, that is one of the ethical things that comes with selling animals, right? Is you're selling them to somebody and now you're handing over the trust of their life to yeah. another person. So I'm sure sometimes you sell animals to people where you have no good reason not to sell them, but at the same time, like your gut says, I really wish I didn't sell this animal to you. Well, that's actually another point um, I was going to talk about is you can deny sales to people. Um, so if somebody is just really refuses to buy any of the correct stuff and they obviously have no real intent to take good care of the animal and like put their interests first, uh, you can, you can say, no, I'm not going to sell you them. And I think, I think there's been times at stores I've worked at where if there's customers who repeatedly come in and like show absolutely no regard for the animal's well-being and still want to buy them. Uh, I think, I think sometimes people can get like put on a list for like, don't, don't sell them these animals at all. Now that only works so far because a lot of times people will, they're going to get mad and then they're going to, they'll usually say something like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else. So I don't know, maybe they just wise up at the next store and don't, say any of those things and just say, oh, I have everything already. I I wish there was some way that we could verify that when people say that they have everything already. Sometimes, I don't know, people come in and I can kind of tell like, yeah, you seem like you've got your stuff together. I, it is like a gut instinct thing, I guess sometimes, but I, I always try and give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, um, I luckily have not really had to deny uh, too many sales and usually once, once you get to the point where you're like, well, I can't sell this animal unless you buy this or you have a minimum size tank for this animal, then at that point, they're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll buy the right stuff. At that point, I don't really have any, uh, like, I don't know if the store would back me up anymore at that point. Uh, if I denied them the silks, they have agreed to get the correct stuff. Right. But then it's also like, well, I really don't like your attitude. And that, that concerns me that you just did it just so you could get out of here with the animal. So yeah, it really sucks, but luckily I have not had to do that too much. Um, 
but I, I have had to do it a few times. And surprisingly, people have been okay about it. And if people, I don't let it get to the point where people are screaming at me. If I even think that somebody is going to start yelling at me, I will go get a manager because um, I'm not, I'm not going to go. I don't know. I, I'm terrified of people like yelling at me and screaming at me. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to have to deal with that if you don't have to. And no. like you said, you could probably manage it in a way where it's like, hey, just like it sort of seems like you haven't quite done most of your research, but just so you yeah. know, like there's a couple hundred extra dollars that you're going to have to spend first. And so that might sway them. So there are two really important topics that we I want to finish off from that you had sent me. And the first was you have some great points on how these companies, what, what role they play in in misinformation misinformation and sort of, you know, the way they lead by example and sometimes the poor way. So let's start with that. And then we can, you know, we have, you have a great list of what you think are solutions as well. So we'll, we'll we'll do that next, but let's start with the misinformation. Okay. So like I said, this varies a little bit from store to store. It depends on where you go. Um, So big one, and this, this is going to be at a lot of chains is co-having. I'm sure everybody has gone into yeah. like a like a big chain and seen like a bunch of little baby bearded dragons together and whoever to get those together. And I have a problem with that for several reasons because well, A, you're not supposed to do it. And there's no like yes, you can get away with it in the store because it's temporary and they're juveniles, so they're not gonna start fighting yet, typically. Um, so you can get away with it. But I don't like that there's no signs or anything explicitly say temporary uh, these animals need to be uh you know solitary um i really wish that was something that a lot of stores would do i've seen people come in and have i'll get talking to them and they have like a question for me or something and a lot of times as i mentioned before they'll say like oh well i'm having this problem i'll say okay well how many of them do you have and then they usually say depending on the problem, a lot of times people say they have multiple. And I said, are they in the same enclosure? And then they say, yes. I'm like, okay, so here's why you don't do that. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times what they say is, well, you guys do it. So then I have right. to explain like, well, yes, uh, I don't agree with it. And you're not supposed to, but we can get away with it because it's temporary. They're not going to be here forever. They're very young. They're not sexually mature. So they're really not going to be at an age or, or size where they're going to fight or, or do any harm and cause too much stress to one another. And I've also had people, uh, I actually, I meant to bring this up earlier when we were talking about misconceptions and weird things that customers do, but people really seem to anthropomorphize a lot. And people will say, oh, look, the bearded dragons are cuddling. Oh, look, the ball pythons are cuddling. Oh, the geckos are cuddling. And I have to explain to people, like, that's not what's happening here. I realize it's cute. It is kind of cute, but that's not, it's kind of not cute as well. Um, this and is, they want to replicate that at their own home, right? Like, right. oh, I want like the geckos yeah. to be cuddling together. And it's right. like, well, if you keep that for six months, they're going to be fighting and there's going to be blood. It's not going to be cuddling. Yeah, it, it sets a bad example. Um, and again, I do understand that if it were up to me, I, I wouldn't want, I, I am in the camp of let's do a good example. You know, I know the the animals are here temporarily, but I really think we should be setting a good example for people. Um, But it does save space. And like I said, it is temporary. 
especially uh, animals like bearded dragons, you sell a lot if you work at a pet store. Exactly. And leopardgeckos as well. Those are those are very commonly sold reptiles. Um, so I also <laughs> people will argue with me and say, well, if they can't be together, you know, I see you guys have them, and how do they mate in the wild? Okay, if they can't be around each other, mm-hmm. how do, how do they make babies? And then I have to explain to people, well, yes, but you see, when they mate in the wild, that lasts for maybe a couple minutes, and then they go their separate ways. You know, they're yeah. not living in that space their whole life all the time they're not you know it's a much larger world (laughs) yeah exactly they can leave each other's vicinity if they want to exactly Um, and and by the way it's very strange to me that people there's like no in between a lot of the times with people because they'll anthropomorphize and think that reptiles are cuddling, but at the same time, they're like, well, why do they need this? They're a reptile. Mm-hmm. They don't need that. They're fine. So yeah, it's that's either, funny, hey? Yeah, it, it's like they're either like, you know, super social and cuddly and cute, or they're just like these, um, you know, mindless automatons that don't need right. anything and are just for decoration. I don't. I don't understand how you can come become like, I don't know, believe both things. It's like, no guys, it's actually somewhere in the middle. They're not just like decorations for your house, but they're also not like dogs and cats. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's a big one. And then this one, I kind of have to be careful talking about this one because I haven't seen this at a lot of places. Uh, that I've gone to, like I said, I, I pay attention when I go to other stores, but some pet stores that I've seen, and I've, I've seen it happen at mine, sell reptiles that are not known in the hobby. Mm. Um, and at first you might be like, okay, like, what do you mean not known? Do you mean like not, and do you mean like not popular? I'm like, oh no, I mean not known. Um, one of my lizards I have, I got from the store I work at. And and by the way, um, I think most of the times at chain pet stores, I don't think they're in control of what animals they receive. So don't don't get mad at the employees or the manager. I might be wrong about that at some places, but I think for the most part, it's not up to them. Unless it's like a, I guess, I don't know, like a more family owned chain or something where they have more say or that kind of thing. But there was, um, this is actually before I started working at the one I'm working at now, there was a lizard being sold and I was like, Oh, uh, he's very cool. I, you know, and I started asking questions and they told me some information. Um, they were people who no longer work at this store. Um, and then I, on the label, it did say their species name. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And I, I went home and I looked up the species name and I was like, this is really weird. I'm not seeing literally anything. Mm-hmm. I found two videos on YouTube that had like 20 views each or something like that. And it was people um, like me who were like, yeah, I couldn't find any information on them at all. I, I did some research on, on where they come from and this is the best guess and they seem to be doing pretty well. Um, 
So I do have, again, I do have that lizard. One of the reasons why I got him out of that situation is because he was being kept on Kelsey sand. And at the time, the person working at the store who was kind of more in charge of the animals, uh, she would not listen to stuff like that. She thought, Cal she genuinely thought like Kelsey sand was good. And um, I was like, okay, yeah. So I got him out of there and he's he does well with me. Yeah, I, it, it is interesting when you say that, like, you know, bringing animals in that are not known. And I've seen that before because and not necessarily at stores local to me, but I get messages once in a while from people that take a picture of an animal or reptile in the store and say, hey, Dylan, do you know what this is? And a lot of times I'm like, I have no idea what that is. I've yeah. never seen that before. And sometimes it's like obscure things. And I would say without a doubt, animals like that are wild caught for sure. Like yeah. that's just 100%. So I was... As far as, do you know where the reptiles come from when they're shipped to you guys? Like, is there a label on them? You don't have to say who, but can you tell if it's wild caught or if it's captive bred? Obviously, if it's a completely random species that's not in the hobby, it's 100% right. yeah. wild caught. Um, so I don't know the exact company, but mm. from from what I've heard, and I've some of this information, I've just, I've watched YouTube videos about it as well. Um, Go Herping actually had a video where he was like, calling and asking you know where to get the reptiles they're like i guess they're like wholesale places and like i said even stores um like kind of around my area that i go to i've asked them as well um and, and they say like wholesalers basically i don't know what that means to be honest with you i just assume that it's like a puppy mill for reptiles <laughs> uh i'm not laughing because it's funny um and then for wild caught sometimes that that term can be a little loose so um some species like the ones that you and i were just talking about that are not in the hobby nobody knows what they are those are probably you know true wild caught somebody went out found them and caught them but i've had some people tell me that what that can mean is that they were raised outside mm -hmm. so they're wild caught but they were you're not technically taken from the population i don't know if that's true or not i really don't know yeah um, sometimes animals are what they call like wild farmed or whatever where they'll go catch right. like a gravid female yeah. and then she'll give birth in their farm and they'll release the female and keep the babies type thing so it's not mm -hmm. quite wild caught but it's pretty close yeah and, and i assume as well that if they are outside they're still going to be exposed to parasites and and I will say, I, I wrote on there that I have a springtail story, and I'll get into that in just a second. I I don't think I've ever seen reptiles come through any of the stores that I've worked at with mites, so that's good. Mm. Uh, I assume these wholesalers probably stay pretty clean. I don't know. I, I'm sure it's happened. I'm, I'm sure it happens. Yeah. Um, but the springtail story, so this is just, I don't know, it's kind of silly, I guess, but one time I was working... And then I had one of my coworkers run up and said, guess what? Me and so-and-so just, we were cleaning the reptile tanks and we just found that they're, um, they just have like tons of mites. And I was like, oh, nice. And they're in like, they're in like the, the ones in the back too. And, and by the way, a lot of pet stores, at least at the one I work at, and I'm sure this is probably universal, have some in the back as well. Either they're being treated for something or they're just not ready to go out on the floor yet, or at some places out for adoption mm -hmm. um, or getting ready to be put out for adoption. Cause sometimes uh, 
um, people will bring animals to the pet store and just say, here, you guys adopt them out. Yeah. And that happens where I work as well. Um, and they're like, oh, they're in the back too. And they're also in the, the tanks out on the floor. And I was like, oh, God. And then I was like, can you show me? And I was like, this is terrible. I hate this. And then, so they're like, yeah, I'll show you. And then, we, so we went to the back and then they said, look, in the, in the frog tank. And I was like, and then in, in like, it was like Ruffy Bart, but I see all these little white things <laughs> in the soil. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then, so I was like, you know, those aren't mites, right? And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, no, they're springtails. Like, what is that? And then I had to explain what springtails was to like everybody in the store and saying like, oh, no, 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 they're not mites. Um, And and I explained the difference, like, you know, mites look more like poppy seeds and they're going to be on the animal springtails or just little tiny little uh, white bugs and they're not typically going to be on your animals. So that was kind of funny. and the springtails, and then, springtails do pop up out of nowhere. Like yeah. I, so many times I don't seed my enclosures with them. And then after a couple of months, there they are. They just come yeah. out of nowhere. I, I think they come in the repti bark a lot because yeah. at least with the, um, like eco earth and coconut fiber, it, you know, it's like dried and compressed. So I imagine it's probably really difficult for them to survive in there. But yeah, with repti bark. And I, I remember that day I was saying like, we were looking at um, bags of substrate that we had. And then one of my group workers grabbed a thing of repti bark and was like, oh, yeah, they're all in here. I'm like, see, there you go. It, it, <laughs> yeah. You get them regardless. And now um, at the store, well, I'll kind of get into this later. But if we have springtails show up in our enclosures, we have to get rid of them. Um, which to me is like, why? But the customers will think they're mites. Right. Which, again, I don't. I don't like, I, I completely understand that, that there are customers who would come in and not ask what, like, let's say, for example, we did just let the spring kills be. Um, and, and maybe we, if anybody asked, we would explain to them what they are and that they're not mites. But of course you would have people come in and probably take a video or something or put on the reviews like, oh my God, they've got mites. And that's not good. But exactly. I, I don't like stuff like that where it's just like, let's just do this for, <laughs> You know, it, it's not about the animal, but it's just so the customers don't freak out. I don't like that. Um, another thing. Oh, this one I've seen at a few different pet stores. Uh, a lot of times they don't use the actual common names of the animal. And this is this seems to be for reptiles and like small mammals. But um, I can't use the actual terms because then that'll show where I work. But, you know, they'll let's say they have some morph of ball python they're not yeah, going to the fancy say, ball python i see that one all the yeah, time at the stores one. in my area yeah mm-hmm. and even with tarantulas where i work like the tarantulas are sometimes well i think we have them properly labeled now but for a while i, I don't know maybe we just didn't have the tags in or something and we, we were waiting for the tags to get to us or whatever but they didn't well no that's not true because for a while they said like uh fancy tarantula <laughs> yeah i think I lots of chains use that fancy term because the ones yeah. in my area do and and we have several different chains here and i see that term all the time like and then you mm-hmm. have or like fancy leopard gecko and right and, and then you have this person who's very unfamiliar with them they 
a lot of times the prices seem really high too. Like I've you've seen people like ball pythons that are just like a fairly common morph, yeah. like maybe pastel or something. And it's like fancy mm-hmm. ball python. It's like $300. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> who's going to buy that? But somebody does. I mean, I think it's, I don't agree with that. I really don't like that. I feel like you should know the name, even if it is just a morph. But if it's a morph of a ball python, the care is the same. You know, it's exactly. still a ball python. Um, if you're getting into tarantulas though, then I kind of have an issue with it because tarantula um requirements can really vary you know are they arboreal are they fossorial are they terrestrial what you know what uh it it matters Um, it really matters yeah yeah um i don't i really doubt if you go to unless like it's a pet store that's like family owned and they get their own stuff i think i don't i don't think um most chains would sell any tarantulas with like medically significant venom um at least well, I don't know. I've seen some scorpions and some, but I don't know. But for the most Maybe. part, you got like your like red knees and whatnot. And- yeah. Um, I mean, at least where I work, we sell like kind of the the more common ones, curly hair, rose hair, stuff like that. Um, but there's some that I've seen come in. I'm like, oh, that's kind of an uncommon one. Um, like I said, we have them properly labeled now. So maybe when that was going on and I, was, and I noticed that, that was just kind of like a exception and we didn't have any on hand, but I've seen that in other stores though. Oh yeah. Which, Oh, the, the other example is again, I know we're mainly talking about reptiles, but it happens with like hamsters, a lot of stores. And I've seen this at several different chains. Um, but Syrian hamsters, for some reason, pet stores don't like to use the term Syrian hamster. They don't like that. <laughs> I don't know if it's like an America thing where, oh, don't say Syria. People people won't like that. I, I don't know. I bet, honestly, I bet that's what it is. It's probably a marketing I'm sure. thing. Yeah, so what um, do they call them instead? Um, It depends. Like on some some stores I've seen like them call, call them like fancy hamster or mm-hmm. like teddy bear hamster or, oh God, what are some of the other ones I've seen? Um. Anything to like sound cute and cuddly and not say Syria. People don't like that. <laughs> and Syrian hamsters are are really one of the more common ones that people get. It's it's important. <laughs> um, I don't think they do it quite as much with like the dwarf hamsters because that's that sounds cute. You can say dwarf hamsters like oh he's small. Yeah. Um, I did have a friend of mine uh, send me a picture recently of a big chain pet store and in uh this is the first time i've seen it at this particular chain properly labeled as a steering hamster so i was like oh that's cool i like that um so maybe that particular chain is improving uh in that regard i don't know but i really think it's kind of irresponsible to not use the proper name i mean at least where i work on our tags we have the species name as well like mm-hmm. the latin name which you could argue like that's really all you need, but still, I, I think it. I think it's nice to have the common name sometimes. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, the ten-year-old's not going to want to say the Latin name, so it's nice no. to have the common name there as well. But like you said, the, the marketing department shouldn't be in charge of coming up with the t- name tags. It should just yeah. be use what the common name is. Um, let me see what else I wrote here. Selling bad reptile products, obviously, but we talked about that earlier where yeah. I don't really know what the, the full situation is on that. 
um, care guides, just for the record, care guides, like I know when you think of that, you think of like the big, like the big ones. And I think we all know which ones those are, but there are care guides at like smaller chains as well, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that, that's not just limited to just like the big corporate ones. But I remember one time we had a customer come in and she, this is wild. I guess this is another crazy story, but she was saying, Hey, uh, do you guys know anything about axolotls? Today was my last day of work. And as a gift, somebody gave me two axolotls and I don't know anything about them. And I hate that for so many reasons. Yeah. Axolotls from what I understand can be pretty finicky. Uh, I would never give somebody just two axolotls. (laughs) And just like, I wouldn't do that either. Yeah, no, I, and then the other thing is like she didn't you didn't think to like go online and look them up. You had to come to like just your local pet store, really. Um, and then one of my coworkers was like, Oh, I don't they called me over and they're like, Do you know anything about axolotls? And I'm like, No. And then I said, Why? And then I, it was explained to me that she got them as a present from work, like like just like an hour before. Wow. And then I was like, Oh, uh, and then one of my coworkers was like, I'll go try and fight and see if we have a care guide. And then reflexively, I said, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of got in trouble for that later on. And they were like, hey, you can't do that because that will make people like not trust us. And I was like, I get that, but I get in trouble for stuff like that sometimes. Are the I'll- care guides that you have at your store relatively weak? Um, to be honest with you, I have not looked through them. Like really thoroughly, uh, maybe I should, um, because when I'm slaying a reptile, I I like go full um, like <laughs> professor mode practically. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people get like super annoyed at me because I I I won't let you leave until I f- I feel like that animal has like their best shot. And sometimes I do get like close to some of them too. If I take care, like I said, I take, I do animal care sometimes and every once in a while they'll be like a snake or something. And I'm like, Oh, um, and so if I'm selling you one of the reptiles that I've gotten close to personally, Oh my God, I'm going to put the fear. I'm going to put like the fear of God into you. Yeah. Um, I'm not letting you leave until I, I feel like, you know what you're doing to some degree. But, oh, by the way, speaking of um, reptiles that probably shouldn't be sold in local pet stores, uh, I've seen um, Brazilian rainbow boas sold where I work. I don't mm-hmm. like that. I, I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. There's a there's a chain store that's not, uh, I think it's maybe just a Canadian chain. I'm not sure. But they had rainbow boas as well. And I just think like... Uh, you know, it is such an eye-catching snake. You could mm-hmm. easily see someone come in and almost make an impulse purchase just because of how yeah. cool that snake looks. And then, you know, it's probably going to die. It, you know, because anybody who knows anything about rainbow bows is not going to buy it from a chain pet store. Because, yeah. you know, they're going to go to a specific yeah. breeder and they're going to know where it's coming from. So it's a very strange animal to have for sale in a retail environment. Mm-hmm. I mean they need like crazy humidity and humidity Mm -hmm. can be difficult for even an experienced keeper, especially if you've got, if you live somewhere cold and you've got the heat running all the time. So that can be a a problem for even people who know what they're doing. Uh, We kind of struggle with it in our house. We've got the heat going a lot. So um, we're trying to get better with humidity. I'm trying to switch all like 12 of our reptiles over to complete bioactive. That's what I'm in the process of doing right now. That's a big Um, job. 
yeah, I've, I've got a few different colonies of isopods going and got some plants that I'm quarantining, um, getting some UV lights, getting some really good stuff. Um, I have not been able to find somewhere or just the other day, I finally found somewhere that was selling a jungle dawn. Um, I really want some jungle dawns. They are. I just ordered one, another one yesterday because really? they're kind of they're expensive. But I'm because I'm actually quarantining some plants as well, and I'm like, oh, right. I, I should get some better lighting for that quarantine area. I've never quarantined plants before, but I, I realized the hard way that you should. And yeah, yeah jungle dawns are amazing, and they mm-hmm. they're just such a beautiful light. So I always recommend them. Yeah, I I really want to get some. What had you asked me before? Oh, about the care guides. Yeah, yeah. like I said, I don't rely on them, but what I do though is I always like. I always do. I don't let people leave without suggesting resources for them. Um, and I mean, re- not, not like books or anything necessary. I mean, places that they can go and find, you know, like the up-to-date information. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, if somebody's buying a snake, I have recommended your channel a few times, Thank you. but you know, if somebody's buying a snake, I'll, I'll say like snake discovery, uh, because, and I'll, I'll say cleanse reptiles, for example. And then uh, there's a couple others. I think I've, suggested in the past but I, I like suggesting youtube channels because it, it's it's like the new standard of care and then also if they're having any issues with with like a respiratory infection or something you know those are channels you can go on and people can find an answer and they're good for kids too mm, like i yeah. feel like for example uh you know snake discovery kids really seem to like that channel and, and Clint as well. So Oh I yeah, I hear good. from people all the time that say their kids love those channels. And and yeah. it's a it's kind of a gateway to get them into that world because I mm-hmm. think there are some people that buy reptiles and then don't even interact with the online community at, at all. Yeah. So they go home with like their brochure from their pet store and then that's it. Like they don't even they never go to YouTube, yeah. they never go to Facebook. And I'm not saying those places are always gold standard, but it at least gets them looking for more information. So okay, they mm-hmm. go to Snake Discovery and then maybe it takes them down another path and they start learning more, you know, they're on the platform at least where they can learn better information. So it's a good way to get people going, you know, and get their brains working about, you know, the pamphlet that you go home with is not yeah. is not where you should stop. There's more to it than that. I I think like for example, if you're talking about like symptoms to look for for example i think it's really helpful to see like a video of a snake with a respiratory infection Mm -hmm. and see how they're holding their head and and maybe get some audio of their breathing and and show what bubbles in the mouth would look like um you know i i think stuff like that you really should probably see visually but yeah, so I, I always, and I always tell people, sometimes I'll write it on a piece of paper so they can take it with them or I'll say like, Hey, get out your phone real quick. I'll, I'll recommend some really good stuff for you. And I always feel really good about letting them go with that. Cause it's like, those are tried and true, you know, that, that those channels are the reptile community, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and then if they do end up wanting more animals down the road, if they, if they want more reptiles, then they'll have been exposed to like, oh, I can buy reptiles online. I don't necessarily exactly. have to go to my local pet store. Um, I mean, obviously you can get reptiles like on Craigslist and stuff. I haven't done that personally. Well, I don't know. Sometimes if you get reptiles on Facebook, it can have like Craigslist vibes. Um, That's true. <laughs> yeah. So as far as we, you know, we've listed all these things that I think we all identify as issues with these big chain stores and, you know, as 
reptile keepers were often frustrated by this, but you actually have a few ideas of how some positive steps they can make to, to make some improvements. So why don't you list off a few of those? Right. So a big one is stop cohabbing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. really sets a bad example, but if you have to do it, um, I really think, and I don't see why this would be an issue. Just have a little, I want to pet stores have signs with like fun facts about certain reptiles, like chameleons, for example. Um, you know, why not have signs that say, like, here in the store we sell, obviously not verbatim what I'm saying, but just just explain or, or state that these are animals to be kept, you know, solitary, um, and that the ones we have in the store are very young, so it's, it's okay, just temporarily, but yeah. really they need to be separate. I, I don't see why that would be such a, a big issue. I mean, I asked, why don't we do that in my store? And then I was told basically like, well, that's a conversation that we're supposed to have, um, you know, when somebody's actually purchasing an animal, which is like, what, why? I don't like that. Yeah. Just have a um, sign up. It, it's not like it costs yeah. anything. You you can make it sound like really nice and happy. You don't, I don't know. Exactly. Um, another one is, promote you know always evolving your enclosures and your care instead of just like the one time setup like mm-hmm. okay let's get you set up with all the stuff you need you know i really and that's kind of it's in like a better interest for the store too because then if people are constantly you know improving their care they'll want to come back and buy a larger enclosure later and they'll want to i don't know maybe buy you know more stuff to improve it um I, know I think some that's such a good point. point. Like that is such a good point. You're you're so right. They often send the customer off with like, "This is all mm-hmm. you need. Like, good luck." And all you have to do is come back and buy food. But it would be much better to plant the seed that this is just the beginning, and you can slowly evolve from here. Oh yeah. I mean, even when I like I said when I talk to customers when I'm selling them um, animals, I always tell them like, you know, I've got a lot of animals, and if I took a picture of what they started out with and what they have now, and what I plan to have them in eventually, you know, it, it's, they don't even resemble each other, yeah. you know? And, and I, I told them like, it's a fun thing. You know, it, it's, it's fun to build and always make things better and your animals will reward you for it. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll surprise you and you'll, you'll see some really cool stuff. Um, so that, and a lot of people are actually more people than you would think are pretty perceptive to that. At least that what they tell me. Um, but, oh, definitely, yeah. it definitely is more fun, and I think most people will be receptive to that. They just don't even think about that. So if you yeah. give that that thought to them, they might go, oh, "Okay, this mm-hmm. is kind of how the hobby is." Well, that's interesting. I mean, people will talk about like getting a larger, you know, enclosure later on, but nobody ever thinks about just like, "Oh, wait, no, I can, I can continue being better." Yeah, you know, some people just don't care, but that's <laughs> yeah. that's just kind of some of the people you get in pet stores. Um, but yeah, that's like another one where it would be beneficial for both the animals and the customers and the company. So it would still exactly. be, it's still bringing money. One pause, this isn't a, a change necessarily, but, or, or something that I'm suggesting, but I have seen more stores selling things that are more kind of like in the direction of bioactive, um, like packs of moss, um, live plants, uh, more and just more naturalistic looking 
hides and decorations. Um, so I think that's good because what that totally. says to me is like, okay, these brands are kind of learning that this is what the hobby is starting to go towards. The people like this, um, which is really good. Like I said, they, they still got a long, they still got a ways to go, but that to me seems positive. Um, and then a, a big one is something not to do. Don't, don't sell like a children's toys, decorations. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, let me clarify. I am not, I, I'm not against putting like anything man-made looking in an enclosure. I just, just nothing, especially like the kids, you know, he said, some of it is a matter of personal taste, but um, like, for example, I have a choke. Um, I'm, I'm upgrading his enclosure into something like larger and bioactive. And I, you know, I was researching and, and I came across a video um, from, I think it was Dave Kaufman. Yeah. And, yeah. and he had a video where he went and saw Tokes in the wild and they were, I haven't seen the video in a while. It was just kind of initially when I was researching Tokes, but um well, there were these Buddhists and they would not let people mess with the tokes. So I, I wanted to kind of incorporate um, elements of what I saw in that video into his his stuff. Because I thought that like, was Do you mean like a, kind of add a man-made type looking structure into there? Like yeah, a temple I, or something? I looked and I found um, some Thai like Buddhist statues and I, and I found one that I liked and I was like, I really like that. I really, you know, one that's not gonna degrade or anything in a human environment, but I really wanted to incorporate, and it's very, it's very, it looks really nice and it's tasteful. Mm-hmm. It's not just some something cheesy, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to putting that in because it's gonna remind me of, you know, what I learned when I was researching. And also just, I, I think that's cool that like, you know, they're, they're like a protected species where they come from in some places, like people look out for them. I like that. I don't know, but uh, you know, that's just an example of, um, tastefully incorporating stuff like that. I, I, I do not, I really think it's bad to, uh, sell like toys to go in animal enclosures, but I guess that makes them a lot of money. Um, that's one of the things that they, that is probably less likely to go away. Because right. um, kids see that and it's like, oh, it's for fish. Well, I want to fish now so I can get that little Elsa decoration or something. Yeah, so I, just it, get the fish tank with the Elsa decoration yeah. and just don't sell the fish. <laughs> uh, really? Seriously? Another positive thing, and this isn't really reptile specific, but it seems that um, both brands of, well, I guess I'm gonna, if you don't mind me talking about dog food and cat food no, for go a for second. It. I mean, it's kind of just pet stuff, pet store stuff in general. Um, but a lot of brands and companies seem to be really increasing the standard and quality of food. Um, like, for example, I think Purina is a big one. They have um, a, a pretty good line of dog food called ProPlan. And it doesn't have the fillers and stuff. And one of the big chains, um, a lot of people know Petco. I know they have, um, they've they've kind of like updated their standards of, of what they'll sell in the store. And um, for the most part, I think it's like like no fillers or anything. And most stuff is grain free. Not saying that there's never any scenario where you need grain in a dog food. Um, 
I was actually told that recently that sometimes it is beneficial to have that and sometimes you need it. But for the most part, most things are grain-free and, and higher quality. So that's good. I like that. Um, just kind of as a whole, it seems that some chains are, are really stepping up. It's like, you know what? We're, we're listening. We're going to start selling higher quality stuff. So I like that. Yeah. And, and it's being received well um, from what I can tell by customers. They well, come customers in want it too, right? They want the higher, higher quality food and, and higher quality equipment. Right. Mm-hmm. With reptile stuff, I I know, I don't think we, we don't sell it where I work, but I have seen it in pet stores where I think it was Flukers. They have a Cresta Gecko diet that looks like dog food. That infuriates it, me. Is it, it, does, is, is it like a like kibble type thing or is it like a can or something that you They're open? like pellets. They kind of remind me of like... Um, cichlid pellets that you would see like oh weird i don't know why they saw that like if you (laughs) i've seen videos online when i before i got my crest gecko and i was like researching the best food to get um there's a video where a guy was saying you know the worst and the best and he was like there's no way a crest gecko will ever eat this and i've never heard of one that will Flukers definitely has some of the worst products out there yeah. I've seen. Like there's when you go into the store, you're like, and they they have a great price point compared to the mm-hmm. other brands. So you could see lots of people going home with that stuff. But some of the stuff is just like, what the hell is this? Like, why would anybody think this is a good idea? I don't know. And what kind of scares me is like I see, like I said, we don't sell that uh, where I work. But a lot of like the kibble type reptile food, we sell that faster than I'm comfortable with. I would never let people mm-hmm. walk out of the store with that, but people do. Like I said, I, I'm not always on the floor helping customers. I like I'm usually at the register or stocking or doing something else. So, um, yeah. If I could, I would just hover around the reptile area and make sure nobody's buying anything terrible. But I can't yeah. do that. Um, and it's also really hard not to like get mad at people. You know, I don't want to shame anybody because I've mm-hmm. been on the other end of that where I've like seen something in a Facebook group and gotten yelled at that hasn't happened in a while, <laughs> but, um, and, and I've seen that happen. I'm like, God, they're really, I know that sucks for that person. You like, you don't want to yeah. be shamed into something. I don't know. Some people deserve it to be honest, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's hard to kind of strike that balance between giving them information yeah. and yeah, exactly. You know, when people come in and say, Oh, well, one of my leopard geckos bit off the other leopard gecko's leg. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's really hard not to get angry at something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying I've been told that, but I've heard stuff like that. Well, mainly with bearded dragons. I don't know if I've actually ever heard that for leopard geckos, but um, it, it's hard to get mad. It's hard not to get mad when you hear stuff like that when the animals really suffered for it, you know? Yeah, they've made such a blatantly obvious mistake, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, the education wasn't there, so they made yeah. the mistake, and yeah, it's interesting. Um, and so another a big one, um, th- this is a, something that really I feel pretty strongly about is, again, it depends on the pet store. If if it's one that's like a like very small, like locally owned, like family run or something, I think typically people are going to be more on the ball about selling them. But for the most part, I think chain pet stores should really not be selling um, 
as I mentioned before, reptiles that aren't even in the hobby and you can't even find any information about. But more intermediate or advanced ones um, that, you know, you really kind of need to know what you're doing. I don't yeah. think chain. I don't. I don't think chain pets should be selling chameleons. I don't have a chameleon. I agree. Yeah. You know they like a lot. They need a lot of ventilation and a lot of humidity, and those are things that do not go together well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of. I've seen some stores in the chain that I work for selling Savannah monitors. I think I don't need to tell anybody in your audience why that's really bad. Exactly. And at a low price point too. That's just insulting. And yeah, and that's that is I think that's like a really good point. And that is something that I, I really hope that changes in that mainstream chain store style because like we said earlier, those advanced people who want those advanced species don't go to those stores to buy them. Right. So the people who are going out of the store with the Savannah monitor or the chameleon, they they don't know what they're in for. They're just they bought it because it's at a cheap price point and it looks yeah. cool on the day they want it. So that is a serious issue. I am a little Savannah monitor story. I, I have a coworker of mine and she's like me. She's, she, she doesn't let anybody just kind of walk out with any animal. And if she sees somebody buying the wrong stuff, she'll, she'll get on them for it. And I really like that. Uh, but I guess one time, one time in like the past year, we had a Savannah monitor come in and all of us were like, Oh my God. Cause again, the people who come into chain testers are really not equipped uh, first Vanna monitor. I guess we did end up selling him. I don't know who I wasn't there that day. And I certainly didn't sell him. Um, so I, I hope wherever he is, he's being taken care of by somebody yeah. responsible. Um, but she was telling me that they had a, she had a customer come in and he wanted a lizard and he pointed at the Savannah monitor and was like, can I get this guy? And then she was like, uh, so do you know anything about him? He's like, yeah, I've done a ton of research. And then she stood in front. I, I wouldn't do this because like, I don't, I'm not that confrontational, but she stood in front of like the, the label and said, what species is he? And he could not, he, he couldn't tell her. Uh, so that's telling, again, I wouldn't do that, but there are times when I definitely want to. Yeah. Um, so yes, the monitors are one. Iguanas, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of learning more about iguanas. I, I like iguanas. I wouldn't keep one though. I don't know. Maybe maybe one day I'll like rescue one or something. But that's one that I don't think people. Uh, I don't think chains should be selling them. Brazilian rainbow boas, come on. Um, but like reptiles, where there's just the internet is like saturated with information about them. Bearded dragons, leopard geckos, crested geckos, ball pythons. Corn snakes, king snakes. Well, king snakes, <laughs> they kind of, they can be kind of bitey. I have they a king can, snake, yeah. and I love him to death. And uh, he, he gets kind of bitey sometimes. Yeah, I mean they have they have very reasonable care requirements. You know, they're not too finicky really, but the bitiness can be off-putting for some people. And then you have people coming in and say, "Oh, they're mean." I'm like, "They're not mean." I hate that. I hate it when people just label and like reptiles as mean. Yeah. It's just scared. Yeah. Often. Or like in the case of my king snake, I mean, I don't just hungry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's like one of the snakes I've ever seen. Well, I don't think I've ever seen him stressed. Like, like really he's, he's very curious and bright, but I don't, I always joke that he's too blessed to be stressed. 
and that's just kind of how he acts. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he, I get that a lot, but that's one of the reasons why I love him. Um, but yeah, so, so King Snakes, I don't know. Their care is manageable for most people, but the bitiness, especially like for people with kids. Yeah. And newcomers to the hobby. It's not the best. Yeah. So, so maybe not. Um, you know, ball pythons can be finicky with eating, but I, I think ball pythons are, are generally like a good first um, snake for new keepers. Oh, and day geckos. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I've we've we've sold um, or we've had day geckos for sale a few times um, in the stores that I've worked at. And it's like they're not they they they're really like um, from what I can tell, just a display only species they are yeah and i think a lot of times people coming into a chain pet store aren't looking for a display only species um not yeah they want to they want to hold it they want to play with it yeah and, and they're just so they're so fast yes um, they are so fast i i only i only recently witnessed firsthand just how fast they are because i was doing um morning animal care a while back and we we had our day geckos um and there was one, he, he was kind of like up near the, the, the top. Um, and, I, and I put my hand in. Uh, well, I think it was, oh, I think it was like spraying, um, I, like the tank down. And he, <laughs> he like teleported. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't, like you can barely even see them move their legs. They yeah. just end up in another spot. And that really freaked me out. That was kind of wild. Um, yeah, they just jump. They they don't look like they have a body for jumping, but they can yeah. jump really far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they are flighty and they're not handleable geckos, and they're no. cute. So people buy them because they think like, oh, it's like a little cute geico gecko. And uh, yeah, oh my god, it, I. That's another thing. This this isn't. This is, there's nothing pesters can do about this. Uh, but this is one thing that I hate. I hate it when people come in and they see. They get this and like, oh, the gecko gecko, or they go over by the fish and they're like, oh my god, it's a dory in a Nemo. Yeah. That I have to like walk away because I don't want to scream. So annoying, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just like too jaded, and I should like lighten up a bit. That that's probably a fair criticism. Um, but I don't know when you hear kids say like, oh my god, there's a dory. Oh my god, there's a Nemo. That often. And, oh, and then you like you get like I I have literally seen. Like kids say, oh, look, a Nemo. And then they'll say like, oh, I want one. And then the parent calls over like the aquatic specialist. And they're like, hey, uh, how much are these guys? I'm like, <sighs> okay. I wouldn't, I, I'm the fish or not, like I said, fish or really anything aquatic is, we have newts, but that that's like as far as I can go. Um, yeah. I would never try a saltwater tank. They're, they're awesome, but I would not, um, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. They intimidate yeah, You certainly me. can't start with one as a 10-year-old no. or 12-year-old kid that wants a no. Finding Nemo fish. Again, like as a family, if, if as a family you did research, if you really wanted a saltwater tank and you did research on some species that you really wanted um, and you, you turn it into like a, like a, not long-term, but like a, like a, like a long project, you know? And as a family, you all researched saltwater tanks and like the nitrogen cycle and and all the chemistry that goes into it and then maybe with your kid you again like turning into like a teaching experience and then they'll be so much more i don't know i'm not a parent maybe 
your viewers, your fans are like, no, let me tell you what, like my kid would not, <laughs> would not pay attention. But um, then, then when you, as a family went to go get, you, you have your saltwater tank set up, you've got everything down, you've done your research and then you go and you, you buy some fish. I mean, that would just feel so great. That would be so exciting, you know? Totally, um, totally, yeah. I'm sure there are people who would um, argue I'm sure there are people who are who could name some species of saltwater fish um, that should not be sold, or they don't think should be sold in chains. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to say. I don't know anything about saltwater fish, other than that they're difficult. Um, I'm trying to think of other species that I really don't think um, should be sold in chains, but th- those are the big ones, the ones that I've mentioned. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I think like we already mentioned, like the unknown and, and the kind of the weird ones are, are for sure yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't really be part of that. So I think, I mean, we've covered so much today. Is, is there any other like points or things that you wanted to make kind of around this topic before, before we wrap up? Because I think you've made some great points and, and some good things for people to think about next time. Cause even if you're in a, you know, an advanced hobbyist, you still interact with these chain stores. I still visit chain stores uh, once in a while. So so anyway, yeah. is there any other finishing points that, that uh, you wanted to make? Oh, yeah, actually. This isn't um, so much for, I don't know, I guess if any of you do shop at chain stores, I'm pretty sure this is with the, the big companies. I, I think this is like semi or, or ask what their policy is, but you can price match um, mm. in store. And I think sometimes like for regional or smaller chains, this works as well. Again, ask them what their policies are. But um, I would say with pet stores, if they offer a discount card, get it. Yeah, it can be annoying. Um, see if you can weasel your way out of the, giving them an email. <laughs> but um, <laughs> discount cards um, are, are worth it. They're worth getting a lot of the time. And I'm one of the people who like never want one. I, like I, I'm always just like, oh, no, I'll do it next time. And I never do it. Um, but, <laughs> but they do uh, actually with, save money. Yeah, a lot, like I said, sometimes um, with more with some chains than others, um, but get the discount card if they offer it and ask them what their policy is on price matching. Because there are some pet stores or, or chains where if they have an online website, you can look online and a lot of times what you're looking for is like significantly cheaper. And I'm talking even with stuff like um, flea medicine, um, I don't know about dewormer, but a lot of times it's for dog food. Just if you know what you need, and honestly, even if you don't know what you need, um, have their website open on your phone. If they do price match, that is. Um, look on their website. And I some chains, um, some chains uh, price match other websites as well. Like, I don't know, Walmart. I don't know what you would be want, buying <laughs> from Walmart um, for your <laughs> reptiles. Like people in your audience, I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. But... Like I said, I, I imagine um, a lot of people in your audience probably have dogs and cats as well, too. So, yeah, ask oh, them what their, their policy is on price matching. And usually if it's cheaper on the um, on the company's website or even if it's cheaper on if they price match other uh, retailers, uh, usually um, online prices stay like that for a long time or just don't change at all. So that's a little... Um, money saving life hack i guess that you'd, you'd be really uh surprised how effective that is and like how much of a discount you can get mm. um definitely for like flea medicine though that that's a big one 
that is a great point. I would never would have thought that. And I actually do yeah. have a discount card at the one I go to. So I'm, I got that box mm-hmm. checked. Yeah. I've got discount cards for like all the ones in my area. Like I said, I, I, yes, I work at a, at a pet store, but there are things I like to buy from other ones. And there are some that are just closer to my house than the one I work at. So if I run out of something, I don't know if I need super worms, you know, I, I'm just going to go to the one down the street and they've got better prices yeah. anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's a little money saving tip, I suppose. Um, awesome. Like I said, it varies from chain to chain. So just ask them what their policies are, but hopefully that'll save you some money. That is fantastic. That is great. Well, thank you so much for, for mm-hmm. spending the two hours with me today because we covered a bunch of things and I think it's always a, a touchy subject, this topic. So I think it's good to kind of dig into it a little bit. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. I I don't know if you ever need a pet store uh, consultant, I can, I'll be your person, I guess. I, I think it's really good to get some of this stuff out there because people have a lot of misconceptions about what goes on with pets. I'm not an expert, you know, uh, but, but you have experience I, in it. Yeah, I do. And I pay, I think I pay maybe closer attention to some things than a lot of people do. And I, I think a little more critically about how could we do this better? And um, I don't know, how can we help people and what are we doing wrong? Exactly. Uh, and I really Which care is- about the animals as well. So um, yeah, I, I'm really glad that this will get out to some more people. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Okay, that is the end of that episode. And to my guest, thank you so much for spending the time with me. I do really appreciate it. It was great to hear the perspective from inside the chain pet stores. Quite often, many of us are just looking at it from an outside perspective. So I think the suggestions that you make to make positive changes are 100% right. And I would love to see those chain stores start to make those adjustments. To the listeners, thank you so much, as always, for listening to this episode. If you did enjoy it, the best thing you can do is just share it. Share it on Instagram or Facebook. I do really appreciate that. And as always, if you're looking for more information on this episode or any other, head to animalsathomenetwork.com, and there you'll find all the show notes for anything you need. Thank you very much to CustomReptileHabitats.com for sponsoring the episode of the podcast. As I said at the beginning, there are affiliate links in both the description as well as the show notes. If you are looking for any products, make sure you go through those links. Okay, so I think that is a wrap. I have already recorded the next two episodes so I can let you know who they are. If you've made it to the end of the podcast and you're still listening, I'll give you a little reward for doing that. So next week we have Tyson from the Doc Merton Instagram account. I recommend going to check him out. You'll see he's got incredible enclosures, amazing custom designs. We had a fantastic conversation. And then the week after that, we have Dr. Tarek Abuzar, who is an exotic vet out of the UK. And again, it was an excellent conversation and I really can't wait to share that with you. So enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy your next week and I will talk to you on the next episode of the podcast. See you then.